Welcome to Mutuality Matters, gender theology for the gospel empowerment of men and women. I'm Blake Dean here with my co-host, Aaron Monez, and we are recording, well, remotely for the first time. Aaron's at Plubwood College on the beautiful Berry College campus, and I am in rainy Florida. Yes. Uh, due to COVID-19 worldwide pandemics, we have been forced to not be in the same room with one another, but technology allows that to be possible. Hey, Aaron, how are you doing? Doing good, Blake Dean. Thank you, technology. And I'm also excited as we begin this segment to introduce this week's um, guest with us. We are so excited to have as our second guest on the show, um, Stacy Marshall, who is coming to us from just outside of Rome, Georgia in Somerville on her family farm, which we will, I, I'm sure, get into more later. But in order to to get this started, and Stacy, we'll give you first at bat on this. Um, we always love to talk about what, like what we're watching, what we're reading, or what we're listening to. So since a lot of that is happening during the quarantine time, um, why don't you say hello and tell us a little bit about what you are either watching, reading, or listening to? Hey guys, thanks for having me. I'm so pumped about this conversation. So uh, yeah, we have just transitioned to the farm. So we've had a lot of time to be finishing up our painting and our home renovations here. So we have been listening to Hannah Coulter by Wendell Berry, which is a wonderful novel about a woman who, uh, a woman farmer who is navigating her later years in life and has lived through uh, grief, lived through the Great Depression, World War II. Um, and it's just a beautiful piece of literature that has just, I think also given us some words uh, for our journey to farming, but also to uh, navigate some of the hardships that we're in with this COVID-19. Um, so that's been really, really enjoyable. And then uh, this is my like brain candy kind of switching gears here. I'm also listening hardcore to Leonard Skinner, like every yes. single day. And it's you. because I'm a redneck. I grew up like the country, <laughs> like I love me some Leonard Skinner. Like I love me some like good old boy country music. I mean, it, it is like coming home to me. So <laughs> I love that. And that's, that reminds me we're recording during Holy week, you know, so, you know, the things that are feeding your soul. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday's the one, it's man. <laughs> yes, that's yes. my Holy week. <laughs> Blake Dean, what were <laughs> I see your face, Blake Dean. What, what, what? Leonard Skinner takes you to Holy week? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. Well, why not? Yeah, you, of course. You, uh, you, you can't slam it until you partake in it. So that's right. You fair gotta enough. Holy, the holy moments of Leonard. Holy fair enough. <laughs> free bird. Okay, well, free Blake Dean, why don't you tell bird? It's my two free words bird. for you, friend. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely, Blake Dean. Why don't you tell us what 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 you're watching, reading, or listening to? Yeah, so um, I'm doing a lot of remote learning, so most of my reading is for classes. But when I'm not reading for classes, I'm working through Marilyn Robinson's Gilead tri trilogy, which. Um, is very Wendell Berry-esque um, in certain places, but about um, ministers in a small town of Iowa and is kind of a beautiful reflection on like embodied theology and um, a lot of prodigal son imagery. So that's really beautiful. And I love books that make me think and pray more. Uh, um, those are some of my favorite books. And when those come in like small, quaint, 
Pulitzer Prize winning packages. That's a win for me. <laughs> yes. Um, and then I'm listening to, and everyone hold your laughter. I'm in a sub pocket of podcasts right now, which is like the intersection between Jane Austen and theology. So I'm listening to a lot of podcast interviews with Karen Swallow Pryor. If you don't know her, she's oh, a um, no, we love her professor of literature. She's doing great things. Um, but yeah, a lot about how Jane Austen is low key a theologian. But you know, just a Tuesday. What are you? <laughs> what are you watching, reading, or listening to? Yes, for so it's it's an interesting time because we are of course, recording this during the COVID-19 crisis. Um, but also it is Holy Week. And when this when this airs, it'll be uh, Monday, Thursday. But um, so two things. One, that my husband and I, every evening uh, when we're eating dinner, we've been listening to um, a podcast, a daily podcast that's being put out by Annie Downs on her That Sounds Fun podcast platform. And it's just a completely unedited conversation between her and Eddie Koffels of uh, the New Activist podcast. So Eddie works for IJM and Annie is this sort of renowned um, author and speaker. And the two of them are, are friends and they just hit record in the morning and just go for about 30 minutes. And it has been giving life to us. Um, now, all that to say, they are actually not recording during Holy Week. So this is something I would recommend for everyone when they actually, you know, get uh, get done with Holy Week and we're, we're, we're past Easter. But um, the other thing that we are doing is uh, we are going through Holy Week with this Lent book that was um, published by the Anglican Pastor Group. I was just trying to look up, make sure I actually got the name of it correct. But if you go to Anglican Pastor and look up Lent book, um, there's there's this book that was recently put together and put out. And even though we didn't know about COVID-19, when the book was being put together, we have found it very helpful and timely during all that. So those my my COVID and Holy Week um, suggestions and what we're doing. And Aaron, you may or may not have contributed two or three things to said book. Yes, I did conveniently leave that out. But <laughs> yes, I, I am one of the contributors for the book, but that's not why I recommend it. I recommend it because it's actually really it's very good. good. The the other very talented authors that contributed to this book are well, well, well worth it. So um so wonderful. So so that kind of gets us uh started. So Stacy, um let's I just want to launch in. So for our listeners who don't know who you are. Will you just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, the, some of the particulars of your life? Sure. So um, my family and I have been uh, ministering and living um, on campus at Barry through the uh, Windshape College program. We have been in um, a residential care position where we've been able to care for students, um, live with them in the dorm, um, raise our family there. We have three girls. So they have uh, grown up in the female dorm on campus called Fr Friendship. So we have been in college ministry for about um, 12 years now. And I use the word we because I, I do think that there's an element of living um, residentially where it feels like home, work, all those things are so integrated. So it's been really hard. I think I, even with our kids, you know, there's been just this part of, we've just shared our whole lives there um, for the last, um, gosh, decade. 
So we have just left that space just a few days ago, actually. This is like our fourth night. Um, my family is um, a farming family. I grew up um, on a family farm of 300 acres with my grandparents and my parents. Um, and so uh, my grandparents actually um, passed away a few years ago and left me their estate, left me their farmhouse and part of the farm. So we have now renovated this um, farmhouse that was built in 1901. And we are living on the property with my father. We're farming beef cattle. Um, and we, uh, as a family now are, um, it feels like we're inheriting, like or um, gathering up some random animal every day. So we just got a horse a couple of days ago, which has been so cool. Oh, yes. Like 23 years old. He's he's an old guy, but he is just needing a happy place to retire. And so he's come to live with us and his name is Duncan. And our kids are just loving feeding him. We have two, um, two donkeys. Um, we have Don Quixote and we have Eeyore. <laughs> So, um, and then we have 50 head of cattle, but we don't really name the cows. The kids want to name mm. the cows, but you know, we're all, that's also, um, a part of the, uh, the process of farming is they're, yes. they're going to be transitioning to food. So, um, <laughs> it's a little harder to name the animals, the livestock. Um, mm, but we yeah. are learning a lot. I mean, I think we're just now dipping our toes. For me, this is a reconnection to my childhood. It's also felt like a reclaiming. Um, my journey to farming has been an interesting one. So I'd love to maybe weave that in as we talk about gender theology as well. But um, I, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about what we have um, for us here and just learning our way through farming. That's great. We we love that for you. And we are so excited to have you on um, this podcast with us because uh, we know that there has been just an amazing journey that has been happening to you and your family over the past several years related specifically to gender theology and how the Lord has been moving and working in this in your life. Um, can you just kind of walk us through that uh from how's that how has this been happening in your life we'd, we'd, we'd love to hear sure well Aaron I know you and I've had lots of lunches and conversations about this but um I think for me the uh whole framework of gender theology really didn't come through a book or a seminary class it came through life it came through my relationships and so it's not been necessarily an academic journey for me, although that has made me really curious and um, has led me to kind of find resources and dig out people to ask questions. But it's been more of a reflection of um, relationships and the roles that I have played in relationships, the identity I have held or believed I should hold in those relationships. So I would say to, to start, um, I think the relationship between mother and daughter was a really big mm -hmm. one for me. Um, I grew up with um, a mama who was very talented uh, musically. She was the pianist in our, our little small country Baptist church. 
And uh, then she um, began uh, leading the choir and um, in the role of choir director. But I remember, um, I think this was, she did that for about 22 years. But I remember, um, you know, I remember a conversation that overhearing her and a friend talk about um, as she stepped into the role of choir director, the guy that had the position before her was a music minister. And so, and um, I don't, there wasn't really any, any education or difference between um, my mom's position and him. The only difference was their gender. And so when my mom stepped into that leadership role in our local church, um, the church bulletins, we had church bulletins. I know um, that might be a, a thing of the past, um, but you know, they would print out every Sunday, these little cute uh, paper pamphlets that had like some, you know, like fall scene or scripture on the front and then the um, order of service printed um, in, and so on the, on the uh, bulletin, there would always be, you know, the mention of the music minister's name and the pastor's name. And so I just remember very distinctly that transition for my mom being her name and her position was to only be called choir director mm. because she was a woman. And I remember seeing and hearing it's, it's, it's interesting how you can hear and see things like that. And then, you know, I am about to hit the middle point of life and it's, it's really, I think, um, uh, interesting how those memories and things will resurface and connect to your story and make sense or hit you in a different way as a 40 year old than it did as a 16 year old. So I think, you know, when I was, was living that out with my mom, I just remember, I remember from a distance observing my mom's, um, ob ob observing how conflicted she was because she had this great desire to serve her local church, but she also felt shortchanged in a way because of the naming or the lack of naming of her title or position. It felt that it minimized her role of leadership because she was not allowed to have the same title due to her gender. And so I just remember really seeing my mom wrestle with that really, really well. I mean, she articulated anger in front of me um, she articulated disappointment with the local church. She articulated, um, you know, at times like this, this, um, contemplation of like just walking away from the position altogether. Um, but then seeing her hold to the position because of her longing and her desire to serve the Lord. Yeah. And because of the giftings that he had put in her. And I, I do remember her saying, you know, I know that I'm not doing it for man. I'm doing it mm -hmm. for God. And that really stuck with me. Um, and so I think she was teaching me without realizing she was teaching me. And so fast forward a few years and I end up at a, a small Baptist college 
and I am in my second year of uh, this college and my campus minister approaches me and uh, she um, she wanted to award me with a thousand uh, dollar scholarship and the only requirement to receive this uh, $1,000 of scholarship money was to say that I would marry a Baptist minister one day. Oh, no, oh, it didn't. My God. Y'all, y'all can't make this stuff up. I'm being Oh, surreal. my word. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know there's got to be listeners. There's going to be what? listeners that are like, oh, I cannot believe this. And others that are like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's, and to that be honest, true. like as a 19-year-old, I think I was probably 19 at the time. As a 19-year-old who, this is coming from an authority figure, you know, it's mm-hmm. coming from my campus minister. Um, like I remember being, I remember kind of chuckling, but honestly, I wasn't connected enough to even my own, I think, sense of purpose and identity as a woman of God at the time that it felt, it felt more of like a, um, this is what, this is what we have for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I think at the time it, it, for me, it felt more of a like, oh, so this is what I'm preparing for. You know, had nothing to do with my academics, nothing to do with my intelligence, my accomplishments or anything like that. It only had to do with what my marital status was going to be. And so that deeply formed me, deeply, deeply formed me um, and informed my perspective of what my role as a woman was to be. Right, because that's a vocational thing. Yeah. Like it's it's yeah. it's talking about this is a vo- vocational track, and I, I I completely echo this because I've had a similar experience where I was thinking, how does this work out vocationally? But it was offered as a vocational option of your role, your purpose, your doing in the world is boiled down to marrying somebody in a very particular precise form of ministry. And there's so many, so many things we could unpack there, but I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna leave that there. That's another podcast yes. for another day. But yeah, 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 please. please yeah. Continue. So I think that was very um, impressionable to me because, um, man, like I had the desires to be a wife and a mother. And I think that's where things can go so wonky. And even in this discussion, as you guys know, I think that that is where it's often misunderstood because our desires for those things are holy things, you know, my, Mm -hmm. but, but it doesn't, but it doesn't capture the whole part of us, the wholeness of us. I am a wife and I am a mother, but there are so many different parts of me and dimensions of me and descriptions of me. Those are a few descriptions of me, but that's not the only description of me. Amen. And I'm, I mean, I'm engaged in getting married in August and that's not the only description that is ever used for me or the only thing that is talked about in my future or my trajectory either so there's something very clearly disparaging against women in that as well yeah so i think as a 19 year old girl and i think gosh it's interesting because maybe even subconsciously this is why i was so drawn to college ministry because that was such a such a spiritual forming time for me and uh and those were the 
the things that were forming me. And so I remember like, like I was, you know, I was in that young warrior training season of life. I'm training, training for life. So I'm like, all right, man, dang it. Well, then I'm going to be a freaking good wife and mama. <laughs> I'll <laughs> learn how to bake some bread. And <laughs> like my role is going to be support person. And again, like I, like this is so much, I think also integrated into my heart for farming and food and community. Like I love, like even some of the gender roles that are associated with that support system, which, you know, I, I hate that uh, patriarchy in the church has made that seem that it is only the role of a woman to have hospitality in the home. Um, but those things were already things I re was interested in. So I kind of, I think probably, you know, latched onto this idea of that that was what my purpose was. My purpose mm. was to be a support person. And, um, you know, my, uh, I, even at the time, you know, kind of the, the other story that's, that's unfolding here is that, you know, I'm at this small college and um, as a woman, I'm not allowed to take any of the preaching classes. Those were only offered to men. And I wasn't, um, and so that even, I think, even a really probably shaped my perspective of how I study the scriptures. Sure. You know, like, okay, so my role is to, my role is to set the table. My role is to support. And, uh, and so I think that for me, I, as a, a young mother and or let me back up young bride and young mother, I kind of like, uh, I think threw myself into that identity because mm -hmm. I so desperately wanted to do those things. And again, those desires were holy desires. But I think mm -hmm. what happened is it, for me, created this one dimensional perception of how I was to serve the Lord. Mm. So, and that's what I want, I want to kind of make clear here is because I think that when we enter this discussion, you know, obviously like being a wife and a mother and keeper of the home, all those things are holy things that men and women both do. But I think that we can, in the naming of things, we can create a dynamic that is very one dimensional. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's that, I think that is so good that you say that because, um, I know that for us on this podcast, the reason we have it speaking about mutuality is because we really do believe in the gospel empowerment of both of the sexes. And um, one of the disparaging uh, parts of gender theology has been a diminishing of things like motherhood, like um, uh, marriage uh, roles, in, in the sense where, where we say those things in and of themselves must be bad because they've been weaponized to control or to pigeonhole people, instead of saying, no, these things are, are good and these desires are good and can shape. And if, and if that's like where people are, like that is fantastic. There, there's so much beauty in those vocations in those places. Um, so to be able to hold both and say, well, yeah, I'm called to these places, but that, that shouldn't be pigeonholed against me or my husband 
to say, well, these are the only things you can do. And now therefore that's, that's it. That's, that's the final mark. Um, but then the opposite side wants to take those and say that they're, you know, disparage the, the roles themselves in an effort to try to get people out of that rut, which is also not okay. So it's, it's, mm. it's a bringing together. It's not the either, or it's the both and of this. So I appreciate you, uh, highlighting that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I think, uh, um, yeah, just to continue the story, I mean, I, I, I see this theme that the Lord just would not let go. Um, and, you know, it, it was, uh, I guess, such a time as this, you know, when I really, I think, um, as the young folks say, got woke. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. I got woke. Um, uh, was when I became a mom. Um, and that season for me of entering into motherhood and also, um, (laughs) the beauty of the fact that I have three daughters, you know, and Mm -hmm. with every single pregnancy, like the question that I got the most was, um, you know, are you going to try for a boy? You know, I mean, it was interesting, like. Um, especially with our third daughter, Grace, it was, oh, well, are you guys going to try again? You going to try for that boy? I mean, it was crazy how many people asked that. Um, but you know, we are a house of girls. We are raising strong daughters. And then Mm. we moved into, uh, a dorm with 52 college girls. And, you know, I found myself in this place of mentoring and discipling women, women who were leaders and women who were wanting to lead in their local churches and were coming and asking me like, what, what does this mean? You know? Mm. And again, like just the kind of coming full circle of thinking about 19 year old Stacy and how formative that college season was for me and my campus minister and how that, um, that, the power I think I recognized that I had as an authority figure to, 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 um, encourage and to honestly, also, I think I was so still in the midst of like, y'all, I don't even know if what I'm feeling or believing is biblical. Like, I think I went through Mm. a major season of doubting that and still can feel very vulnerable in certain circles of sharing my perspective on gender theology, because Um, because I think I, I just had, had just developed such a, um, a framework that, that this is what holiness looks like as a woman, quiet and submissive and, um, really had, had that taken out of context a lot and, and put on me and y'all, I ain't a quiet, submissive person. (laughs) Amen. Well, I will say this. I am, I am pretty. I'm pretty good with the flow, but I think, you know, um, the whole word submissiveness and quietness even re- regarding women's character, that's probably a whole other podcast here, but is often just misused. And so I yeah. found myself feeling constantly like I had this personality that didn't fit the description of a godly woman. Mm. Yeah. There's a caricature. And when we don't seem to fit into that caricature, it, it can be, it can be really frustrating. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The journey of having daughters and living in the girls dorm was huge for me. And I, um, 
I think before I could lead them in that journey, I had to kind of step into some self-leadership. So part of that was me acknowledging that I was a minister. And that took a lot for me to say. Yeah. Like that took years, years of me serving in a ministry for me to say. Like mm. I, I think that, um, you know, I felt because of my own journey and the local church and my own journey just in college, um, again, like I would as- have ascribed more to being a staff wife or a partner or a pastor's wife, um, rather than a pastor or a minister, Mm. even though Jeremy Marshall and I were doing pretty much the exact same work and talk about full circle again, what story does that sound like? Totally Mm -hmm. like my mom, you know, and that music minister. And so just that theme that the Lord kind of kept bringing me back to and, I kept chewing on and reflecting on, of well, what am I? Like what, you know, so much of our life is work. Like what am I doing? (laughs) You know, like I'd left my teaching career so that, you know, I could be a part of this ministry. And I remember the day that I resigned from my teaching career saying like, I am going to support my husband. Like that was my reason. And that was partly true, but again, it wasn't the whole piece of it. Like right. Jeremy and I support one another, you know, like if I have a student meeting, he takes the kids so that I can have that time to minister to students. That's what we were doing. But my mouth, because I had this framework was saying something totally different. So I was like in the mm-hmm. midst of shortchanging myself and not even like recognizing it. So that reclaiming or, or even just renaming for me took a lot of, um, I would say like kind repentance of the Lord. I feel like that was almost mm-hmm. repentance for me. That looks yes. like repentance for me. That's well said. Yeah. I, how, you mentioned this a little bit and maybe flirted with it. Um, and I may be projecting some of my own experience onto you. So if so, just say that, but, um, how the words of others, how did you learn how to process or to maybe um, hold or maybe ignore mm. the voices telling you that even your asking of the questions were antithetical to um, the biblical view of manhood or womanhood, or it was a sense of rebellion? How, how did I learn to ignore them? Is that what you're asking? Or how did you move through that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I shall say I still am. Mm. Because I think, I mean, I, I, the picture I get, you know, if you think about our life being this big piece of tap, tapestry, you know, that, that there's all these threads that are woven into our life. And if you have like one of those thread threads that are tugged a little bit, like you'll see how it will tug on other ones or it affects, you know, the overall um, design of the tapestry. I would say this is how that's been where I, I think that, you know, I probably couldn't have processed this to the level that I'm processing it now at 19 years old. 
because there's just been this building and this building and this building and there still is because this was so formative like i'm talking you know decades of this forming me spiritually like from little girl sitting on the church pew watching her mama play the piano you know mm -hmm. i'm talking like eight year old stacy and so all these little you know moments and time of my life that have led me to right now to make sense of it and how those things still resurface like i mean just to be honest with you even just talking about it right now i can get like sweaty palms and heart papping you know pumping because i can often feel um i can feel that tug of like you know quiet down woman like this is mm -hmm. this is not like your your job isn't to lead here or um and and the thing that i think was probably pretty transformative was other women coming alongside of me that had been through the journey I think my mom, um, Aaron, obviously you being one of those, I think one of my friends, uh, um, Heather Medley, um, I think other women that were navigating their roles in ministry. Um, I think that like that was, um, yeah, that was important for me to hear that other women were wrestling with it hmm. and to hear their stories as well. And to know that we all like that there was this kind of sense of like, we had this moment in time where we had to give ourselves permission to say, this is okay. This is yeah. not just okay. Like this is like, uh, this is God given like our desire to want to lead and serve and work in the church is um something that god has put in us um were there any were there any men and and if there weren't that's that's totally fine but i'm just curious were there were there any guys who god brought that might be that were helpful to you instrumental during during this process as well oh wow yeah there were and i feel like that is a whole other tender place because i think even within this framework talking about like a thread that kind of pulled there. Um, I think within my journey with gender, um, I would say gender reconciliation, <laughs> you know, in the church. Um, I think that um, uh, I, I had gone in, in the time frame of the college career time I had gone through a pretty significant um pretty significant abuse in the church and uh my authority figures at the time um in college did not handle that really well they were not I think trained to know how to handle um the reporting of abuse right and it happened on a Christian campus and so it was dismissed um, there was a lot of really crappy questions asked about my behavior and my part in it. Um, and again, it was very impressionable for me. And the, the, the takeaway, I'll say this, cause that is, whew, that story is a really hard one, um, that I love to talk about and is a very vulnerable, tender place in my story. So I will, I will set that aside as hold that as being um a sacred place but 
to say and to offer that the harm that was done to me in that moment, not just by the dismissing of, not just by the abuse itself, the abuse itself was harmful, but the dismissing of it was mm. equally harmful because it happened in, in a church context. Yeah. And so the takeaway, honestly, that the belief, the false belief that I walked away from and dealt with for years in my relationship with men was that I was dangerous. Wow. I was dangerous. Like as a woman, I was dangerous. So, you know, um, when my preacher brothers would say to me, you know, I can't, I can't ride in a car alone with you, or I'm going to um, text my wife every time I text a woman or email, you know, um, copy you, which again, boundaries and um, boundaries within those things are so appropriate. But what happened in, in the misuse, I think, of the relationship and the distortion of the relationship um, and this is what I don't want people to miss because I don't want you to hear that I'm not saying don't have boundaries. But what I'm saying is that it was a message that I believed that those boundary, boundaries were essential because I was a woman and because mm -hmm. my femininity and my sexuality as a woman made me dangerous. Yes. Yeah, I, first of all, thank you so, so much for, for sharing that piece. We, um, we recognize the significance of that and, and just want to, to really um, be so grateful for that. Um, and you sharing that here, I know so many listeners will be blessed by that. So yeah. we really appreciate that. Um, second, I, it, as you were talking, it reminded me, we had my boss, Jonathan Huggins on the podcast uh, last time. And we were talking about this very sort of thing. We, we, we can't do our jobs without actually like being in proximity to each other as, as a male and a female. And while we applaud good boundaries, cause of course we're both married. Um, and so, you know, we, we really see the value in that. It is so, so important. This other part of the conversation is so incredibly important because I don't think people realize what it is like to walk around feeling like the skin that you are in is a personal affront to the good that you hope to see happen in the world. That carrying that weight around as women from a Christian context is unbearable and, and is, and is so, um, I, I hear our sisters out there resonating with us in this. Um, and that's, that's, that's a conversation we, we can keep having and should keep having. But thank you for saying that because that is such an important, we're not saying boundaries aren't important. What we are saying is that there's a whole other side of this that men from, from my, even my own um, journey, ha that part has not been taken into consideration. Yeah. And if I could just add one comment to that, I think not nearly not having the weight as much as the damage that it does to women, but also it affects the way that we are all able to operate in a gospel framework. Mm. Men and women are not able to love their neighbors of an opposite sex appropriately when fear is the currency that we get to give to one another and the way that we operate with one another. Yeah. That's right. Well said, Like, Thank you. So I'd love to switch gears just a bit and ask about kind of in this conversation, but differently, what, um, as you were going on this journey, 
um, you obviously are married. So how did this affect your marriage? Did you go on this journey together? Was one person ahead of the other person? Or can you just talk about that experience being married and asking yeah. these questions? Um, yeah, well, I, I know I've kind of spoken a little bit to, um, you know, Jeremy and I's journey. Uh, one thing I'm super grateful for is that I, our, I guess I would say evolution in this. Um, Christians can say the word evolution, right? <laughs> there, there it is. Just yes, they like can. Ten yes. right now because I said evolution. <laughs> Just want you to know. People are hanging up the phone, y'all. I ain't talking about monkeys. I'm talking this about the Christian. process <laughs> that we all go through, you know, spiritually, emotionally, physically, like through our lifetime. And mm -hmm. so I'm thankful that, you know, um, the person that you choose as your partner, your life partner, your, your spouse, like that person is in their own developmental journey. And I think that there, I'm, it's been totally God's grace that our timelines of that process have kind of, um, unfolded together. I would say even probably Jeremy was a few steps ahead of me. Um, and kind of gave me the courage to explore it. Cause I remember after we had our third daughter, I remember he took a whole summer and he's, you know, he has a degree in Bible and he's like, I'm just going to go to the scriptures and just really like spend the whole summer studying. Like, what do I believe about women in ministry? Mm. Cause I want to know what I, I want to know what to tell my daughters one day, cause they're going to ask. And so I just remember being like, okay, <laughs> have fun with that. <laughs> yeah. um, but then I, I will distinctly remember this night, which the beauty of this and the honesty of this was, was uh, I think what gave me the nudge to say it's okay. And to, to kind of even, it, it was like a sigh. It was like, oh. My desires to lead are not bad. I just remember that. But I remember Jeremy, mm. again, because we both met at this small Baptist college. You know, we had these different tracks. My track was to be the supportive, the support system, the support role. His track was to be the primary pastor. He was the one getting the Bible degree. He was the one, you know, shaping in that way. So, like, we, we had these different tracks, these different trajectories going on. And I remember after the end of that summer, him studying and he one night looked up at me and he goes, oh my gosh, I had it wrong. I had it wrong. He's like, I, I think it's okay for women to be ministers. And I know some people out there are probably like, wow, like, gosh, you guys were so, you know, late bloomers or whatever, but you have to also remember like both of us grew up in the South. We both grew up in um, churches where, where women didn't have the role of minister. We both grew up in that. And so that, like, again, I think for both of us took a level of, you know, um, of, of humility to say, maybe, maybe we got it wrong. Mm -hmm. Oh God. No, that's, that's, I mean, I, I get, chills just the moment you say that because it, it, it i think for those of us that have had those moments it is indescribable the change the turning yeah that 
everything is viewed through a different lens after that. It's, it's, it's like shedding something. So, um, yeah. And it was so interesting because we, we started even looking at our marriage and recognizing like we had always really like operated without having the, the label or the framework. Like we'd always really operated in this way that was not at all like traditional, you know, I mean, Jeremy, um, stayed at home for the first six months while I worked full time when we had our first daughter. And, you know, we, (laughs) we always approached, um, even the way we ran our home differently, but I think you're right, Erin, like that shifting and, and it, it gave us like the ability to see things and then to name it for what it was and not, not, you know, for example, I'll, I'll say this, I used to teach a session on hospitality and to women. I, that was, I had this little, little cute binder I made. And I mean, I would invite, you know, people to come bake bread, which I love doing that. I still love doing that. Um, but, um, but, but the whole framework has changed on how I present that because I mm-hmm. remember at the time being like, I need to equip young women, how to be keepers of the home. You know, now when I revisit that session, I feel like I look at it totally different because I think, gosh, Jeremy Marshall is like game master. I mean, he throws the big board game extravaganza for our students and he makes all the junk food in the world. And like, if that's not hospitality, I don't know what is. So, you know, it, it was, um, it allowed us to look at giftings in the full capacity that we were operating in. Mm, Say it again for the people in the back. Giftings. (laughs) Yeah, it 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 (laughs) really did. Like it it really, you know, I I think that's it. Like when you talk about one dimensional, I think it was to give more words to that. I think that before it was giving such a one dimensional perspective on spiritual giftings too. Mm -hmm. So these giftings are for men and these giftings are for women. Right. You know, would, would be how, how it was kind of previously kind of in our construct. And then it was more of a shifting of like, wait a minute, if these are gifts from the spirit, like, don't we all have access to them? Don't we all have the ability to nurture? Don't we all have the ability to lead and care if they are coming from the spirit? Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That'll preach. That'll preach. Uh, well, Stacy, I, I wish we could, we could continue. This has been so life-giving. I, both Blake and I love and respect you so much and are so appreciative of you coming on the podcast today. Before Blake um, brings us home, though, we would like to leave our guests with one question. Because we love and respect you and because your spiritual journey is such um, a testament to us, and uh, which is why we have you on this Local Heroes series, we just want to know what is one significant theological influence? Could be uh, an author, a speaker, a worship leader. I mean, just any anybody that you would just recommend someone who's been influential in your life doesn't have to do with gender theology. Just who is someone that you could recommend to others because they've shaped your life so much. Oh, that's easy. Uh, Wendell Berry. Totally. Okay. For, for those who don't know, give a quick. Yeah. Um, gosh, well, he's such a diverse writer, but Wendell Berry primarily is, um, he, uh, 
I, I want to say he's almost a theologian, but he's an agriculture. I mean, he writes about agriculture, about nature, but all of his writing is so integrated into this, the just um, the sacredness and holiness of life and nature. Mm. And so I think I'm very drawn to him. I think he's given me, um, I think the reason currently he's been so influential is um, obviously I've shared a lot vulnerably today, but um, from all that, I think sometimes I can feel very jaded and hurt by the church. Hmm. And I think Wendell Berry is like a truth teller. And so he sees Hmm. those things and he calls them out and he says those things, but then he believes in community and he believes in beauty and there's something about the reconciliation that we experience in nature that continues to give me this connection to God that right now is healing me in ways that the, that the local church, um, well, and I want to be careful how, to, how I say that because community is healing me too, but the, um, I've, I've needed to have other parts and other influences heal, healing me as well. And so Wendell Berry has been part of that, part of that shaping. Um, again, like uh, he's given me the words I would have said 20 years ago, I was a farmer's daughter and now mm. I'm finding the boldness to say that, well, actually maybe I'm a, becoming a farmer. Um, not just yeah. a dis- description of a helper of someone, but actually maybe I am stepping into the role as a farmer. So um, yeah, his words and his his poetry, his novels are a huge mm-hmm. influence in my life. Well, thank you so much, Stacy, And thank you guys for listening and for joining us today. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love to hear from you. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, or you can leave us a rating or review on whatever podcast platform you use. And we appreciate you connecting us to other listeners. And we would love some feedback. Um, I'm Blake Dean with my co-host Aaron Monez and our fabulous producer Bailey Dingley. We are Mutuality Matters. Thanks for listening. <laughs>